Well, we have some exciting news for you. This summer, we are going to be putting up our tent like we did last year, but we're going to try to be, be putting up the tent for the month of July and August, and it's going to be up the whole time. We're, this is our hope. The other day, we poured concrete to replace the stakes, and those all got poured the other day by some wonderful men in our church, and I just want to give a shout out to them. And not only did they dig the holes and poured the concrete to get ready so that we could have a more stable foundation, but Pioneer, the Pioneer uh, Concrete Company came and they poured the concrete and at the end of it, the owner said, we're just going to give you the concrete. Come on. Isn't that awesome? I think God is in it. I think, I think the Lord is blessing us. So we're going to have the tent up and so... What we're going to do is something a little different than we've been doing in, in most recent years. We're going to be having a Wednesday night gathering every Wednesday out there starting on, I think it's July the 6th through the month of July and August. We're going to be meeting out there. We're going to be having like just different goodies afterwards, but we're going to come together. And the focus of our gathering through the midweek in the, in the summer is going to be on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And in your bulletin, you will find something like this. There's a Q&A on there. And we're asking everybody to think of maybe one or two things that you would like to learn more about concerning the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that there are people who have a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of people that don't understand the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune Godhead. And uh, so a lot of times we don't talk about the things of the Spirit. Um, but we are a church, we are what we call a full gospel or Pentecostal or charismatic church, and we believe that the works and the, and the person of the Holy Spirit are as alive and well today as they were 2,000 years ago, and we want to learn more about how to be people of the Spirit and to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we, have, we want you to be a part of this. We want this to be a benefit to you to come out and to learn a little bit throughout the summertime. And we know people are coming and going in the summer, but usually that's on the weekends. So you have no excuse for not showing up on Wednesday. I mean, what else are you gonna do, watch CNN? I mean, come and get the real news, the good news, or that goes for Fox too. Um, but anyway, if you have any questions, like maybe just one that's on your heart, I know we put a lot of lines on there, but if you just have a something, and we'll, we'll compile this information, and we'll do our best to teach on the things that concern you and matter to you. So you have some time to fill that out. I think, can they go online as well? Okay, so yeah, you can go online and put your questions in there, and we'll get it, and we'll be compiling these over the next few weeks. And so, oh yes, and yeah, when you're done with this, uh, fold it up neatly, if you would, and take it to the offering boxes in the back and drop it in there, and uh, we will get to it. Well, I'm excited today. I have a word that I feel like the Lord dropped in my spirit earlier this week, and uh, the, the, uh, the thought or the phrase that it came to me in the, in the form of a phrase, and the phrase was, wind of change. And I had this sense that the Lord was saying that there is a wind of change coming. And so I have a, this, I, I, wanna, I wanna begin a series today 
entitled Winds of Change. And I want specifically to talk about wind power. I'm going to be talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you need how many of you know that you need change? How many of you love change? You know what? God doesn't change, nor does he need to, but we need to change. And our circumstances need to change. And the world around us needs to change. And the way that God ushers in change is through the power of his Holy Spirit. And part of that means that the change has to start here. And then the change ripples out into my marriage and into my home and into my children and into my finances and into my church and into my, my contacts and my areas of influence. It's easy to sit on our couch and cry, the world needs to get back or the world needs to change. And the Lord's like, yeah. And it needs to start with you. Amen. And so today I want to talk about wind power. I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit because I believe God is getting us poised for change. And it's going to come by the wind and the power of his Holy Spirit. In fact, let's look at it. Jesus taught in John chapter 3, verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. Look at this phrase. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I want you to catch that. The wind blows and no one knows or understands. And so it is with those upon whom the Spirit of God has come. Now let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And it says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice what came. There was a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about wind power today. Amen. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And already in the worship, God, these words were resonating in our spirit. These cries, these these, these prayer psalms, Lord, were, were coming up. We were lifting them up. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would move in this place. And I pray, Jesus, that through the preaching of this word, that, that you would breathe through me, through your word, the breath to receive the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, and amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, look what the... Wind just blew in. Go ahead. All throughout the Bible, there are symbols of the Holy Spirit, and these symbols are intended 
to be a picture, to give us an understanding of who the person of the Holy Spirit is, to better identify and to understand how he works in a person's life and what he wants to do and what that means for you and me. And I love these symbols. There's the symbol of fire. Fire represents the holy and purifying presence of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something about the Holy Spirit. When you get the Spirit of God, you get the Spirit of holiness and purity. Ooh, come on now, it's a little quiet in here. Before God wants you rolling on the floor, he wants you living and walking in the holiness of his presence. And then there is the, the symbol of oil, which is the representation of the anointing, the impartation of grace upon you so that you function in the power of God. And then there is the wine which is a symbol of the intoxicating presence of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, do not be drunk with actual natural wine, but be filled or intoxicated or under the full influence of the Holy Spirit, where he's in control of your life. That when you partake of him, you have him on the inside of you, and you're walking and living and acting and making choices and living your life out the way he wants you to. He wants you to come under the full influence of the wine of the Spirit. Amen. And then there is the symbol of water. The Spirit is also symbolized in water. Water is a renewing and a refreshing presence of the Holy Spirit that's not only for your own benefit, but he wants to flow through you for other people. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be in us like a river flowing out of our innermost being and the whole idea isn't just for your blessing but for the blessing of everybody else around you. Amen. Amen. And then there is, we come to this wind and there are, there are several others but I want to talk about wind because the wind is the stirring and the awakening of his presence in our life and the power of the Holy Spirit. There are over 160 hundred. And 60 references to wind in the Bible. And many of those references have to do with how God is actively moving in the earth. The Bible says that God gathers the wind in his fist. I love that. It's in his fist. God gathers the wind. And so we read throughout the Bible, you will read many times where God sent a strong wind. God would send wind to dry up the waters after the flood. In Genesis chapter 8, we read in Exodus chapter 10 where, or uh, chapter, yeah, chapter 10 where God sent a wind to drive locusts, devouring locusts into the land of Egypt to devour that false God notion. And then a few days later, he sent a strong wind to drive him, that locust out to die in the sea. And then a little bit later, we see that God sent a strong wind to drive back the waters the Red Sea waters, and to dry up the land so that the people could walk across. And then we see that God showed up to Elijah one day to, to manifest his presence to that poor depressed man. Anybody here ever struggle with depression or overwhelming sadness? Well, God showed up to him one day in a strong and horrible wind, and the Bible said it crushed the rocks and it split the mountain in two. David said, I cried to the Lord one day. I was, in my, I was in desperate need of God. I was feeling overcome by my enemies. And the Lord showed up, and he came to me with the answer to my need and to my request 
riding on the wings of the wind. You know what David is saying? God didn't just sneak into the room. He came with force. He came with power. How many of you are looking for that once in a while in your life? And then we see also in the Bible three different places it says in the Bible that God stores, he has a storehouse or the treasuries, says out of his treasuries he sends forth his wind. Catch that. Out of his treasuries. It's almost like the Lord is saying, when I want to bless people, when I want to do something good in their life, I send it in the force of my wind. Wow. Come on, wake up out there. Anybody alive out there? How about a little wind in your life? Well, this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, God sent his wind, the wind of his spirit. The treasure of God's mighty and rushing wind was unleashed on the earth, and it filled the whole house and brought about a change in the hearts of every one of those 120 people that were waiting for God to move. And it was this wind, it was this wind that brought about change, not only in their lives, but like this world has never seen before. And there's been a wind blowing ever since. Praise God. Bob Dylan, all of us old people know about Bob Dylan. He sang a song, the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. The answer to our lives, the answer for this church here at Abundant Life Fellowship, the answer for our city, the answer for your home and for your children is blowing in the wind. It's the wind power of the Holy Spirit. The answer for our communities and for our society and the confusion that is all around us, the inflation. Let me tell you something. This wind is blowing regardless, in spite of wars. This wind is available in spite of inflation, in spite of the cultural confusion that's all around us. I, want to, I just want to remind you that the wind of the Spirit of God has been unleashed. And he wants to blow a fresh breath of living air into the body of Christ. He wants to bring change, but it begins at the house of God. And it begins at the heart of everyone in the house of God. Because when the Spirit came and when the Spirit blew, tongues of fire came and sat upon each and every one of them. They all had their own power source. They all had their own experience. And that's what God wants for every one of us in this room. And we can sit passively back and just say, I hope we get through this and I hope we get out of this and I hope things get better. God says, I want it to get better in you and through you. I want to set your heart on fire. And I want to blow on you. Amen. I don't know. I need to calm down here. Don't keep me out of here for three weeks. You didn't. I'm so glad I still had a job to come back to. Especially after those great preachers the last couple of weeks. I watched them and they were good. And I'm going to walk a little on uh, Isaac's message, but I won't do it as well as he did last week. But I want to I divide this up in, in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And I got two points, but a lot of subpoints, so you're going to have to wait it out. My number one point, I want to talk about waiting on the wind, waiting on a move of God. 
And I'm not going to go deep into Acts chapter 1. We're going to kind of stay up a couple thousand feet. We're going to kind of fly over it. But I want to talk about waiting for God to move. You know, the meteorologists talk about what they call prevailing winds. And prevailing winds are winds that because of the axis of our earth and because of the atmosphere and because of the, the, the cycle of the spin of our, our planet, the, there is a, there's a general direction. There's a prevailing kind of direction that the wind generally pretty much always blows in. But not necessarily always. Sometimes it shifts, sometimes it changes, but there are these prevailing winds. And so there are prevailing winds, and then there are sudden changes of wind. And Jesus talked about the Spirit is like that. He can be moving in one direction, and then suddenly he can kind of move in another direction. And then there are those times when it seems like there's no wind, and there's nothing going on, and it's dead. And the Spirit of God is the prevailing wind of heaven, and he's always blowing somewhere, but he may not be manifest right here, right now, in that sense in our lives. And I was thinking about this, how this, uh, you know, if you drive down the highway nowadays, you see these fields of wind turbines out in the field, and sometimes they're moving, and sometimes they're going around, and then sometimes they're not moving. And nothing's happening. And that's usually an indication that there's no wind. And I, I, I had this sense in my heart that this is kind of like what it feels like where we're at right now. It feels like where we are at right now is that we're just like these wind turbines. We're waiting, we're, we're poised, we're set, we're, we're, we're set in the prevailing direction. And things may change once in a while, but but we're waiting on a fresh move of God. Just like these disciples in Acts chapter 1 were waiting on God to move in a fresh way, in a powerful way. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but they were waiting on God to move. And, they, and sometimes we are, we are waiting and waiting, but here's the problem with some of us. When we're in these places where we can't feel God, we can't experience God, we don't see God moving or feel God moving in our lives, we're like, we wait in the wrong way. We get lazy spiritually. We can become complacent or apathetic in our spirit. And I want to tell you something. That is not how you wait for God to move. You wait with expectancy. You wait with responsibility. You wait with anticipation. You wait with a heart of preparation because God is going to move. And so this is how we see it in Acts chapter 1. The Bible tells us that Jesus, after his resurrection, came in and out of the lives of his disciples for the period of about 40 days. And the Bible said he would get with them and he would teach them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And we see some ways where we can wait on a move of God. I believe God says, I, I, think, I, I think I have God's heart on this. There is a wind of change coming. But I need some people who are going to be waiting for me to move. And how do we wait on God to move? Well, number one, stay as close to Jesus as you can during this time. I don't know where your walk with Jesus is right now, but it needs to go deeper. You need to double down on your walk with Jesus. 
You need to fall in love with Jesus. We all need to listen to Jesus. We all need to read God's word and spend time in the presence of God because that's what Jesus was doing over a period of 40 days. He was investing his life, his power, his spirit into those guys and, and those women and he was pouring himself into them and they were getting all of Jesus that they possibly can, could. And it later said in Acts chapter four, verse 13, that when they saw the disciples and when they heard them and when they watched how they walked and lived and the things that they did, they said, these are people that have been with Jesus. And that's what every one of us needs. If you want a move of God in your heart, you want the move of the Holy Spirit in your life, get closer to Jesus. Amen. amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? Love him. Listen to him. Learn his ways. Listen. Dwell in his presence, and you'll have the dynamic of his life. There was not one amen out there. I got it. That's right. Dwell in his presence, and you'll get the dynamic of his life. Amen. Here's how we wait. Stay close to Jesus. Number two. Focus on the mission. Jesus reminded these guys over and over, over the 40 days, he just said, hey, listen, I just want you to know you have a purpose and you have a power. There is a purpose for your existence. There's a reason why I've raised you up. There's a reason why I've called you. And I want you to know that you have a mission in the earth. You're, gonna, you're going, in fact, chapter one says that Jesus began this ministry fully intended to pass it off to you and me. So he didn't come to just be the answer all by himself. He is the answer all by himself, but he came to impart that message into your life and in our lives so that wherever we go, we are Jesus extended. And you have a purpose, and with that purpose, there's a power. And so these disciples, if you remember, they kept asking Jesus, well, when's the end gonna come? When's the end gonna come? When's it all over? Lord, I mean, things are really crazy right now. Things are out of whack. Things are, people are just, this world is really broken. Lord, when's the end coming? And Jesus kept having to say to them, would you get your mind off the end? I want you to look at the beginning. I want you to see what I'm doing right here, right now. Now, I love end-time talks, and I love end-time prophetic, you know, discussion. I, I, I think there's a time and a place for all of that, but let's not get so tied up in that that we miss what God wants us to be about right here, right now. And if the end-time teaching doesn't motivate us to be more effective and influential right now, then it's not good end-time teaching. Amen. Stay focused on the mission. Instead of gazing up into heaven, you remember when Jesus in chapter one, the Bible said these angels descended from heaven and Jesus was lifted up with them into the clouds and they all stood there and watched him leave. And they just stood there and watched him go out of sight. And they just stood there and just watched. And they just kept looking. To the point where the angels had to come to them and say, why do you stand here gazing into heaven? He'll come back, but get on with your life. Instead of gazing 
into the eternities, I think the Lord wants us to start looking or envisioning the possibilities that are before us. There are things to do. And we're waiting on the wind, and God's spirit is going to blow, but we have got to prepare ourselves by staying close to Jesus, doubling down on our understanding of our purpose and our power and the mission that God has given to us and being about that. Number three, we need to pray continually. We need to constantly and continually pray. Everybody say amen. I know you don't like it. I, I, I need some more rooting section out there. I get stumped. I fall all over myself. I don't get an amen. All right. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 says, these all continued. This is in the first chapter. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Even Jesus' own personal family jumped on board all the women were there, all the men were there, and what were they doing? They were continuing to pray. We need a commitment to prayer, every one of us individually, but also corporately. And we need to come together and be people of prayer. Because God moves when his people pray. John Wesley says God does nothing except in answer a prayer to his people. He responds to prayer. He leans into our inquiries. He wants to hear our call. We need to invite him. We can't do this without him. They didn't know what was going to happen. All they knew is they needed God and they prayed. And they continued to pray. We need to be men and women of prayer, every one of us. We know that from the time of Jesus' resurrection, he spent 40 days coming and going in the life of his disciples. But from the time of his ascension to the time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there were 10 days. And that 10 days happened. Acts chapter 1, verse 14, was what happened in those 10 days. I've often wondered what would happen if we as a church would take 10 straight days in a row, and I mean every single one of us, and come and praise the Lord and pray. What would happen in our house, in our upper room? What would happen in my life? What would happen in my city? Would the, would the city respond? That, would they hear a sound? Because, you know, it wasn't just the people in the house that heard the sound. The city heard the sound, but they heard it. It was an attraction. What's going on? What's happening? We hear something, and it moved them. But, it, but they were inside, and they were hearing the sound, but that sound wasn't just for their benefit. It was to get them out of the upper room, out onto the streets, and encounter the people that heard something, felt something, saw something. Woo, come on now. What would happen if we take 10 days out of our life, turn off our TV, set aside our cell phones and sought God and prayed. Just sang praises and prayed. I don't know. I've never done it. I'm asking you. Maybe you have the answer. So stay close to Jesus. Focus on the mission. Pray continually. 
My last one is this. Here's how you, here's how you wait for a move of God. Find your place and get ready. Now, in the remainder of chapter one, there's this little episode where Peter stands up with all those that are gathered for prayer. And he says, hey, you know, in the scriptures, it said that Judas was going to do what Judas did. And Judas was one of the 12. Judas is dead. He's gone. He's no longer with us. And it also said in the scripture that we're supposed to find someone to fill his place. And there's a scripture that literally says, let another take his place. And so they voted among themselves between a couple of guys who had been with them from the very beginning. And it landed to Matthias. And so he became the number of the 12. Now, if you've read enough commentaries and been to seminaries or cemeteries, they call them. No. Uh, if you've been around the church world a little bit, you know that there are people that debate whether or not that was somebody that they should have put in there, that Paul was actually the person that was supposed to come along later, and he was the guy that was supposed to be that 12th man. And so there's a debate on that, whether this, this uh, Matthias was supposed to be there or Paul was supposed to be there. And uh, I don't really care. What I love about it, what I love about this, is that they were waiting with purpose and intentionality. They were saying, God's going to move, God's going to do something, something's going to happen, and we need to fill these spots and get ready for what God's going to do. You need to find your place, get in your place, let another take his place. That's what the scripture says. Let another take his place. And I, wanna, I just want to throw this out at you. I, I never thought of this before. This could be heresy. I don't think it is. It's just an idea. What if that wasn't really supposed to be filled with Matthias or the Apostle Paul, but it was to be left open for us that the other person is all of us? Let another take his place among the disciples, the apostles of Jesus, which is every single one of us. And that we all find our place. Get involved. Get, in, get on board. Or get run over, as my dad used to say. You've got a place Get in there, get ready, get prepared. Just start going through. You say, well, I don't feel like it. Well, just go through the motions, fake it until you can make it. But do something. Get ready because God's spirit is going to blow. And it's going to blow on a sail fully hoist. Meaning everybody's got to be in their place. Doing their thing. No Christian left behind. Amen. I feel like a wild man up here. That's how you wait on the wind. That's how you wait. Get as close as you can to Jesus. Go deeper in the mission. Understand your purpose and the power that's coming. Pray. And then find your place and get in it and get on with it. Amen. Now, I want to talk about blowing in the wind.
We've talked about waiting on the wind, but now I want to focus to blowing in the wind. Let's go back to John chapter 3, verse 8. It's right here. John 3, verse 8. Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes. And this is all out of Acts chapter 2. Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Did you say that last line with me? So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Things that are true of natural winds and the wind of the Spirit are, the Spirit is invisible. You can feel the effects and you can see the effects, but you can't see the wind. There's an invisibility to the wind. The Spirit of God is invisible. The Lord, the Bible says that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Not only is this, the wind of the Spirit of the Spirit invisible, but he's powerful. The wind can blow you over, can blow you off course. It can lift roofs right off of houses. Wind can howl through certain lands and reshape the topography of the land and reshape mountains. And wind is powerful. It's powerful. Wind is unexplainable. I love how uh, Solomon opens up the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, the wind blows east and then it turns around and blows west and, and it just kind of goes in every direction and actually he said later in, in chapter, five, uh, chapter 11 verse 5 he said who can know the way of the wind you can't really figure it out but here's what I want you to know the wind is unstoppable the wind is an unstoppable force now you can build a wall to barricade to try to divert the wind but you can't stop the wind. Come on. Are you, are you tracking? Are you smelling what I'm cooking? You can't stop it. You can plant a row of trees to try to lessen its effect on your property, but you can't stop it from blowing. This is what some of us do, some of us in our own lives, some of us as churches, we build barricades because we don't want wind power. It'll upset our life. It'll take over. The wind blows, and it's an unstoppable force. So that when Jesus said, so is everyone, who is born of the Spirit, I want to say to you today that by the Holy Spirit, you and I become an unstoppable force in the earth. Amen. By His power. And that's what we need to become unstoppable. Because when the Spirit of God blows a fresh breath of air into our lungs and into our hearts and into our lives, I think things are going to happen. I'm tired of waiting. I want to start blowing in the wind. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind, and that's you. Do you believe that? So what does it look like to be an unstoppable force in the Holy Spirit? Well, let me just extract a couple of ideas out of Acts chapter 2. First of all, 
To be an unstoppable force of the Spirit, every one of us need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to let the fire of God's presence fall on us and consume our soul. You know, Jesus taught that the hungry and the thirsty are the ones who stay full. They're the ones who get filled. If you really want the fullness, if you want to be taken over and come under the full control of the Holy Spirit, you can. You just must ask and receive. It's not about how good you are or how how eloquent you are or how together you think you have it. No, you know the Holy Spirit comes because we don't have it all together. We need the power of the Holy Spirit precisely because we're a bunch of screw-ups. Because we can't live the Christian life outside of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I can't obey the commands of God's word in my own strength. I stumble and fall flat on my face every time. But under the power, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, things begin to change in the way I walk and the way I talk. And I can get a little better. And I can get over my bitter. And I can get on with my life. But I can't do this in my own strength. And so every one of us, to be an unstoppable force, we have to be taken over by the Holy Spirit. And I just, I love that picture. Not only did the wind fill the house, but cloven tongues as a fire came and set upon each and every one of them. These people were on fire. And some of us have lost our fire. I've lost my fire. I've lost that energy of the fire of what it takes when, when fire is burning in your soul, it, it's constantly sucking oxygen in. And I can, I can at times in my life feel where the, the flame has diminished. And you know what Paul said? You, you and I, we're, and we're responsible for this. Stir into flame the gift that is in you. Amen. You don't have to perform to receive more of him. You just need to receive. Amen. And when they received this fullness of the Holy Spirit, the tongue of fire took over their natural tongue. And they began to all speak with other languages of all of the nations that were represented on the day of Pentecost that were there. And there was this new language in this baptism of the Holy Spirit And we see it taking place in in another two or three places in the book of Acts. The very same expression when the Holy Spirit came on them and that tongue of fire became a fiery tongue. And it wasn't just about, listen, and this is important, it's not just about speaking in tongues or in another language, but it's about the release of prophetic utterance. Speaking the word of God in a world that needs to hear the truth of God. And where, you know how Samson, Samson is a picture, to me, a symbolic picture of the church. And there was one battle that he took a jawbone of a donkey and he slew all of the enemies. Where's your jawbone? It's where you speak. It's where you talk. And they overcame him by the word of their testimony. We're all little jawbones of donkeys, fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. God needs us and wants us to receive fully 
And I do believe that, I believe in spiritual language, and I believe God manifests spiritual language. I think it's a gift and a grace for all, because all 120 in the upper room experience that expression. And so I want to encourage you to pursue those things. Be filled with the Spirit. Number two, I'm trying, I'm, I got to get through this. Uh, be bold in your faith. This is where Isaac was last week. Isaac did a great job talking about being bold. But when you and I become, here's how we become an unstoppable force. When you get full of the Holy Spirit and he takes over, you got to put that fullness to work. And that's called boldness. I'll wait for another amen or two. I can wait on you. Be bold in your faith. Be like Peter did when the Spirit was poured out and the people started mocking and scorning them and saying they're a bunch of drunk people, they're out of their mind, and you know you must be doing something right when the world doesn't like you. Sometimes. (laughs) But... They were scorning them. They were making fun of them. Peter stood up, the Bible said, and he spoke, and he said, and he raised, and I love it, it says he stood up and he raised up his voice. And this is what God wants for every one of us, to be a people, not to cower. In the times in which we live, now hear me by the Spirit, please. I'm not, I'm not promoting mean-spiritedness. I am not promoting being a debater, I'm not, I'm not talking, but there, God wants to get his people on their feet and to raise up their voice. How shall they know unless someone tell them? That's the Bible. That's the word of God. People say, oh, you don't, you know, you go out and preach the gospel everywhere, and if you have to, use words. I know that sounds really cool. That is not biblical. You got to use words. They overcame him by the word of their testimony. The world needs to see Jesus in you. Yes, absolutely. But they got to hear it because it's good news. And so we've got to get bold. A boldness needs to rise up in our spirit. We can't do this outside of the wind of the spirit of God filling our sails and filling our heart. And when we speak, we need to be like Peter and focus on a living and loving Lord in the midst of a perverse generation. He wasn't afraid to say to the multitudes, save yourself from this perverse generation. This world, this present system is perverse It's wicked, it's without God, and without hope, it's antichrist at its core. But there is salvation, there's hope, there's liberty, there's freedom, there's life. It's got to come out of your mouth and my mouth. Amen. I'm trying. I'm having too much fun. It's been three weeks. Number three, I'm trying. Be devoted to the body of Christ. If you want to be an unstoppable force, get plugged into the church because the church is Jesus' big idea until he comes again. 
And I know church and churches can be painful experiences sometimes, but so are you. Get over yourself. Get on with life. It's going to be okay. Jesus loves his church, good, bad, or ugly. The book of Revelation opens with seven letters to seven churches, and five out of the seven had a negative report. Jesus spoke and challenged them and corrected them. Five out of the seven churches... This I have against you. None of us are perfect. But get plugged in. And these early disciples, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the people were baptized, and the Bible said they devoted themselves together to one another, to the teaching of God's word, to the development of every one of their lives, to giving and to uh, praising God and reaching. They, they, they were devoted. They, they came together, and they were an unstoppable force on planet Earth. It all started with 120, and then 3,000 were added to that that very day. So 3,120 people began in homes and in the temple courts to come together and to be this movement, this organism, this living body of Jesus Christ. Plug in. Don't pull out. Get in, get on board, or get left out. Because this is how it works through the church. And I know the church has taken a hit in the last few years. And it started before COVID. But COVID really, it was a real gut punch, COVID was, to the church. But you know what? There's a wind of change coming. And it's a power wind. Let me, let me finalize with this. Can, can I have the, you guys go ahead and come and get ready? And... Um, but we need to be evangelistic, winning the lost. Be evangelistic, winning the lost. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47 say this. This is how it ends after the day of Pentecost. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. Having favor with who? all people, and the Lord was adding to the church daily those who were being saved. Listen, can I tell you something? We're supposed to be glad people, not mad people. The world is mad. It's a mad, 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 mad world. People are mad. We're supposed to be glad. Gladness of heart. Why? Because there's a living spirit of God on the inside of us. And we can watch the news. And sometimes we have to. And we can see, even in our own homes or in our own places of business, we can see the dysfunction and the, the confusion and the, the disruption that's going on. But listen, we can't, we can't get swept away by that. Daniel already stood up here at our transition and dealt with this a little bit already. You've got to get your eyes off of that mess. Praise God. 
Love Jesus, and the love of Jesus will permeate you, and people will find favor in you. They'll be drawn to you. They, they don't even know what they're drawn to. They just, they just know they really like you. And somehow through you, by God's grace, because the wind of the Spirit blew you over, people are one to Jesus. Let's all stand together. I've asked the worship team to just lead us in the, in the course part of this uh, the Holy Spirit come. So Sherry, if you, I don't know if you can pull that song back up if you would. But can I have the, the prayer intercessors come? Would you come right now, those who are going to be praying for people? And here's what I want to do while we're singing this song because we're out of time. And I'll be up here. I'll make myself available. I'm sure my wife Julie would be glad to do that, maybe Rachel. But if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit or you just need a brand new touch in your soul, you feel like a wind turbine out there, and you're, and you're what, are, what are they called, propellers? Is that what it is? They're just, the blades are just sitting there. You know, you know what the, the, I read it on Google, so it must be right, that those blades need about nine miles per hour of wind before they start moving. Maybe you just... God, I just need, I need some movement here. Get me going. I feel stuck. I feel empty. I feel hopeless. I'm mad. I'm not glad. I'm full of madness. We'll be here to pray for you. So I'm going to have them go ahead and lead in this song. And they're going to sing it. And if you need something, you just come. Okay? So I'm going to pray. And if you need to go, you can go. But... You come while they're singing this song, and while I'm praying, you, you just begin to come, and we'll meet you here. Father, thank you for your presence in this place today, and we say amen to the word of God. We say amen to it. It's your word, and so Lord, help us to build our lives, not on the sand, but on the foundation of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says amen. Amen.